Okay, let's get to some questions. We've got some good ones here. Dan says um, he was he kind of mentions our Play Like a Great series, which we started a little bit with Oscar Peterson, Bill Evans. Just uh, towards the top, I want to get this up. Towards here. the top, he says, does Kenny Kirkland oh, yeah. have any cliche melodic devices, rhythms, chord voicings, etc., etc.? Well, yeah, I mean, one thing that just jumps out. I mean, Kenny Kirkland uh, for a rhythmic device um, is. The what do we what do they call it? Is it five rhythm? You know, when it's like one, two, three, four, where you're playing one, two, three, four, it's called five rhythm, I think, because it's one, two, three, four, five. So, it goes into a cycle of five, even though you're playing in four, four. Although, actually, you can do it in any meter, but you can learn it in four, four. So, it's a cycle of five. So, like. If you were to go 20 beats, you'd be five bars of four yeah. or four cycles of the five rhythm because they do, do, do ba, ba, ga, ga, What is that called? Da, the helio da, ga, something? Da, ga, ga, ga. Called Elio Alves. Da, Elio ga, Alves. Ga, ga. So that's something that he liked to do. You could hear him in the comping, especially, you know, kind of, uh, it, well, I mean, his, his all, all the time when he played it. He brought it to just kind of everything that he did. Um, then there's also the seven rhythms. Uh, which is like still bass in four, one, two, three, four, uh, one, two, three, four, and these like actually work better when they're not in the actual meter, like of five mm. or seven. They're kind of corny when they're in seven. So if you're like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, six, then it just becomes a clave in the rhythm. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it forces you to play on the one of every right. bar. Right. Whereas the beauty of this, the five, the seven, is they keeps you out of that for at least five uh, five bars in four or seven bars if you're doing it uh, in four over the seven rhythm. So that's one that jumps out to me for Kenny. Yeah, harmonically and melodically, I mean, he has that angular fourths, um, certainly out of someone like Chick Corea or Herbie Hancock in that sort of school, that modern school. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing that's jumping off as like cliched Kenny Kirkland because he wasn't a cliched player. I mean, there was no like wow. he was you could tell him. I would say, you know what? The most the most signature thing he had was a sound, yeah. his touch and his sound and the power and the and the the attack that he produced was very singular, which is as we talk about, that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. It's a tough thing to pull off to get a sound on an instrument that's essentially buttons is rough. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it was a lot of. Um, let's see. Oh. Like I'm thinking about, you know, he, he was a, a highly melodic player, I would say, at all different temples. So, yeah, definitely not a cliche, but a stylistic thing was like you'd be hard pressed to find. Like that was a theme of his improvisation that it was constantly melodic and thematic based you know and we everybody thinks that they play in that way but he was very much always taking a melody a simple melody and then developing it somewhere mm. so it became a theme and variations kind of thing and that combined like a lot of rhythmic intensity in terms of like very much within the groove not much of a floater above the groove but like very much right in the groove but because of his precision kind of uh time and groove playing could play with that beat a little bit before and you know you know like pulling back a little bit pushing ahead a little bit but very much within that groove that that only players that can really feel that groove i think can do mm. so uh right down below that question is a question from rich 
do you have any finger or arm stretches before you practice? Mm. So Rich, if you're, if you ever come onto the guided practice session, we do a, a few different things there. And these are really just kind of um, coming out of the things that I like to do before my guided practice, for my own personal practice sessions. I like to make sure that I'm connected to my seat and to the to the ground. I like to just like start as opposed to levitating. You mean well, connected. as opposed to like <laughs> slouching and having my yeah. feet. You know, I this is my default right posture. So I'd like to the older I get, especially the more I want to connect to the earth and to my seat and the instrument. So I just start at least with my feet flat on the ground. And I make sure that I can sort of lift my heart to my chest. I might do uh, the things that I like to do are like put my shoulders to my ears and do a five count. Five, four, three, two, one. And then just kind of on an exhale, let everything fall down. I mean, mm. things you could learn in like yoga. And then also a little yoga for the wrists. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Little, little This little exercise here of stretching, putting your wrists back and then turning or forward and then turning. That to me gets gets me mostly where I need to go. And then a big deep breath, and then I'm good. Yeah, the breathing. I mean, our friend uh, Ruben Rogers is always a great reminder for us for any instrument. I think that whatever, there's a bunch of extra. Actually, we have some yoga for pianists. We're going to be doing some more of those videos with the lovely Kelly Martin. Oh, so good. On That's the, such a good um, video. If you're a Piano Access Pass member, you can find that in your where, wherever it is, the dashboard. But she does, I mean, regardless of, and she has some really great specific ones for the piano. And it's funny because I was like, how did you develop this? Because she can't really play piano very well. Mm -hmm. I, she can't play at all. But the weird thing from her watching me play so much, she gets she it. Knows yeah. all, she gets it and She's she knows teacher. the problems, you know. And I'm not a great example. And I'm not certainly not as good as you about thinking about the position. I, I've been trying to think about it more. But doing the yoga has helped me. And just like more the overall concepts of yoga I've been able to apply when I do things, which is like we you everything is in balance for sure like and both sides Huge. of you that's so big that's so big it's so big and so important and so like as pianists that this can be such a problem because there's so many things inherent to the instrument that force us out of that sym symmetry right that's right so there's like when i you know exactly so the some some of the general concepts of yoga about the balance um, and I mean like the balance of everything. Like when I said, lift your heart to your chest right there. Yeah. As I do that, I think about the grounding of the back body, right? Yeah. As the front part of the body lifts, I think about my tailbone, like going down into the seat. Your arse. Exactly. So that yeah. everything, and it makes so much sense as we have to do. You know, this, this is not just a down motion here that we right. do, right? There's, there's a lift to that key. Yeah. And so as you know, a big part of someone's touch is not how they press down, but how they come up. Right. And that could be the difference between having really good technique and not. Like yeah. You could come down all you want, but if you can't get up. So thinking about the balance and the, and the how everything has a counter. So if you're going down, something's coming up. If if there's ener any energy going this way, there's there needs to be a balance that way. Like all of that, I think, is very good to think about. Yeah, absolutely. That's great stuff. And... um I think that, yeah, and the other thing is just to remember that there's symmetry of both sides of our body. So, like, I've done some things that are, I think, are really good. If you were to combine them, actually, with your what you showed for before and then the breathing. And then think about perhaps a stretch. And you want to just be very careful and deliberate about this. But if you go and, like, as you're seated at the instrument, if you, if you do your neck and you look around... And then when you get to the point, certainly before pain, and then you come back, but you're very deliberate, and then you do it on the other side. 
like that can start to get you into the kind of mode as you practice like as you practice that every part of your body we don't think of our head and our neck as as connected with what we're playing as obviously our hands our arms and our shoulders but the more we get up there and then as you say to your to your uh, butt and down into your legs and everything the more we realize everything that'll keep us from doing things where like we 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 might tense up here and then we're like oh let's relax and then the tension all of a sudden is up here yeah and we're relaxed there we want to have everything connected so you want to take you know stuff with your feet obviously we're using the pedals and stuff too every part of your body as much as you can when you do that stretch and on both sides of the instrument and one more I mean, thing both on sides of the body one more thing on this rich as yeah. you go through this remember that this is a practice and that this is for us even always changing and we're yes. always tweaking and and depending on where we are with our bodies and i know everybody is thinking about um you know changing this kind of idea of of how my body works with the instrument so don't get frustrated if like you don't get you know perfectly still and balanced at first or you don't do the right warm-up you can't play that's that's crap like just take what you can uh as you can come as you are and you know you'll develop if you if you have an open mind to how you feel like one thing that really changed was me thinking about my actual experience at the piano. Like, yeah. how do I feel? Do I feel good right now at this piano in this position when I play here, when I do this? Does this feel good? Yeah. If you ask yourself that question and you honestly answer, you're going to come to, I think, a decent place. Absolutely. Because so. it's just like nutrition, exercise, anything. I mean, this is a physical endeavor. So we getting into that feedback loop with ourselves and being able to assess. It's almost like ear training. It's like body training, you know, just like ear training. We don't want to get to the ever. We want to elevate our ear training. We want to be getting better and improving, but we don't ever, we want to make it less and less conscious as we make the right ear training decisions, same things with our body so that as we get into the moment where we definitely can't think about it, we're able to make those, those, those micro adjustments as we go. You're just training yourself. You're just training yourself. That's great. Uh, so right below rich, Rob has a great question. Can you let us in on some of the high level communication between you during the duo last week? Like when Adam proprietary, we cannot like when Adam said he heard Peter doing going for a percussive approach on the intro to emotion in motion. That's right. We were, I got asked this yesterday in the daily got a practice session. They were very curious about how much of what we did was planned out. Uh, how much was rehearsed or written right. out, how much was improvised. And I said, almost none of it was planned out. We had, you know, a short uh, text back and forth about what we were going to do. <laughs> right. And then we had a short rehearsal before we actually played. But when it came down to actually playing the stuff, you know, as with, I think, most of the performances that we do, uh, we left a lot of room for us to to make it happen. And so uh, like with the intro to Emotion in Motion, which is a theme song to our podcast... Uh, we left it, you know, we, we said, okay, let's do a little intro. We're not going to go right into it. Let's take our time and do a yeah. little intro. But that's all we really said. And then I heard you play something. So I muted a string and you heard that and you did something and it becomes a conversation. Yeah. And that's really the goal, I think, for any improviser is that you want it to be as natural and a, a smooth and, and seamless conversation between the people playing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in terms of calling it high level communication to me, that if we, and, and this is always something we're aspiring to but you got to kind of know well you have to think about the parameters of it to to me the high level communication when you're playing with um anybody besides one person Mm. is like how do you make the connection if it's a duo or if it's a quartet or or a hundred piece orchestra but how do you connect the circle with the audience 
and you. So like if you're playing solo piano, it's you and the audience, but that should be like an unbroken energy field, as it were. If you're playing with duo two pianos, as we did, that we're making a circle, but we're not just high level communicating with each other only, that we're like having the conversation go, you know, all the way around the circle. So right. the higher the level, I think the less planning there is. There has to be some. It can't just be like a total. Well, it could just be a free for all in terms of like you're just creating something and you don't have songs that you're playing. But the closest you can get to say, okay, this is the skeleton that we know we can put a good set to, together, but don't take it any further than that. Yeah. Then you're going to be able to have the most chance for improvisation. Otherwise, you could just write out arrangements and all that, and that's fun too. Yeah. But it's in a terms different of, thing. It's a different. It's thing. a different thing. So yeah. the risk reward, you gotta you gotta walk right up to that line. And I think we did a pretty good job with that. There was some things where it was like, oh, we almost like we're having too much fun. We did, definitely didn't over rehearse because no. we just we didn't have access. No. I mean. Sometimes the situation will put you in something like we didn't have access to two pianos until two hours before the gig, right? Because of the the setup, and we had to get it tuned and put. I mean, there's a lot of logistics yeah. involved even in here. So you gotta you gotta roll with whatever you can. But I think to try to get to the high level of communication, you've got to be listening even more. You've got to choose material that will hopefully reward. Like for instance, we couldn't do all things that neither one of us we're super secure on if we want to hide, like if we're having to communicate with the music and just like, where am I at in the form? Yeah. So I was very appreciative that you even, you know, wanted to do that tune because I know the tune. I wrote the tune, although that's never a guarantee that you know it, but um, it's a hard tune. So, you know, you wanting to jump in on that too, but you know, we, we played it together before, but yeah. it's been a year. So I, I proved that it was hard in that show. <laughs> this is it's tough to play, man, but no, you're right. We chose tunes that at least one of us was like, super solid on and can kind of like anchor it or whatever but even yeah. then it's like you know i think when it comes down to the the nitty-gritty of actually communicating things you know what's so great about playing with you is i know i can ask a question and you're gonna have you're gonna you're listening right that's that's really the key is there's just constantly listening constantly asking questions first of all having some agency to be like and then i know that you're gonna answer in some beautiful way of like oh where's that gonna go right and that yeah. that's kind of a a question that ends your your answer and i can be like and then you'll respond like that's but we when you do that like you said in the structure of like a or in the in the context of a structure like in a even if it's just a sketch yeah especially one that you know pretty well then it becomes it becomes a beautiful thing it becomes a really beautiful thing so 